y'all just don't treat me right. I don't know about that. <laughs> You can't, write, uh, can't watch uh, Christian TV without coming across the names of uh, Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis and uh, Joyce Meyer and Robert Tilton and uh, to some degree Rod Parsley and uh, Creflo Dollar and so forth and so on uh, that teach a prosperity gospel is kind of the term for it uh, that as Christians, we should prosper financially and prosper uh, in our health. I had a prosperity gospel teacher tell me, uh, he wore glasses like I did, and he said um, he was praying for the faith uh, for God to cure his nearsightedness so he wouldn't need glasses anymore and just felt like somehow nearsightedness was not part of what God had for, had for him. Um, it's not my... Um, it's not my duty, not my job here to be able to criticize other pastors. And I really try hard not to do that. Um, uh, but it is my job to, uh, at times confront you with what is false teaching, um, and what is heresy. Um, this Sunday that falls between Christmas, excuse me, between Thanksgiving and Christmas is always a hard Sunday for me to preach because it's kind of after Thanksgiving, but not yet Christmas, and I don't really know where to go, so forth and so on. I'm not really into the Advent thing and all that. And um, I was really struggling on where to go this week, and I had this message uh, written down that I knew I wanted to preach on this sooner or later. Uh, But it is my job, while not to call other people out, to call out teaching that is detrimental to you and to make sure that um, you understand between true biblical teaching and what is false. Because sometimes it's really hard to understand. And this is why. Because all heresy, all false teaching has a degree of truth to it. If it didn't have a degree of truth to it, no one would ever believe it to begin with. Okay? No one would believe something that someone just invented out of nowhere. But because that prosperity teaching has some truth to it, and there are many scriptures that they can go to to try to prove what it is they're teaching about health and wealth for uh, Christians, there is an air of truth about it because they back it up with scripture. So I just want to take this Sunday, that's kind of for me like an in-between Sunday, to to talk to you about the truth of what you may see and what some of your friends may be caught up in, or for all I know, what some of you all may be caught up into or don't know what to believe. And I want to talk to you uh, about this today. Now, as I said, there is a, there is a degree of truth to the heresy that we understand that God is supposed to bless you to this degree and that if you're, blessed, if you're not blessed to this degree, you're not believing in faith and you don't have the faith that you should as a Christian. There, there's a degree of truth to that because God does want to prosper the Christian. God does want to bless the Christian. And there are many places in Scripture, and we'll go to some today, that teach that. But it's not the type of thing that we hear taught so often. And it's easy to get the two confused. Listen, the only thing the enemy does is he comes and he takes what God has given him and what God has given him is good and he perverts it. Sin is nothing more than the perversion of the good. That's all that sin is. C.S. Lewis was the first one I ever heard say that. That sin is just a perversion of the good. Taking something good that God has given us, 
taking it outside the bounds of what God wanted it to be used for, and thus it becomes sin. Let's, let's, let's talk about money. There's nothing wrong with money. No one ever said there's anything with money. The Bible doesn't say there's anything wrong with money. But the Bible says the love or the lust of money is the root of all evil. Money is good. We have to have a means of trade. We have to have some way that we have commerce in, the, in, this, in this country. Nothing wrong with money. But it's the lust and it's the... Uh, love of money that is the root of all evil. So the enemy comes and perverts what there's nothing wrong with and becomes sin. And that's all the enemy does with anything that God has uh, allowed us to be able to have. God has given people the means to invent something like the internet. You know, I don't know who invented the internet. I guess it was Al Gore. But who, whoever that was, whoever that was, I, God has given him the wisdom to be able to invent something like There's nothing wrong with the internet. There's nothing wrong with something as fabulous as a computer. But the enemy comes along and perverts that. And the computer and the internet can be used for all kinds of good, of all kinds of ungodly things. It's not the computer's fault. It's not the invention. It's not the computers are bad. It's what man does with the computer. Uh, what, what God has given us here is really good. It's, it's nothing wrong with, with, with uh, ladies having good, close, intimate relationship with other ladies. There's nothing wrong with men having good, close relationships with other men. But Sin comes into play and the enemy comes into play and perverts that, takes it outside the boundaries of what God has laid for that and we have homosexuality. Sin is just the perversion of what is good. And scripture is good, but men can come along, the enemy can come along and pervert God's word. You've heard the old saying, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Well, you can and, and so these teachers come along and take Scripture, pervert it to what it was never, ever intended. Gives it an air of truth, gives it an, an air of authority because it's Scripture, and ends up with it way outside the boundaries of where God wanted us to be. These, these prosperity teachers, they say a lot of things. Uh, there's a couple of quotes that I have up here for you. One is from Creflo Dollar, who, pastored in, who pastors in Atlanta. And he said, when we pray, believing that, we have already re- believing that we've already received what we are praying, God has no choice but to make our prayers come to pass. If I just have enough faith, if I just believe... And the Bible does say if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move. And, 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 and so Creflo takes that and says, if you, if you, if you pray and you're believing as you pray that what, is all, what you're praying for has already come to pass, you've heard him say, just go ahead and receive it right now. Receive it. That God is somehow obligated to you. Uh, Gloria Cop- Copeland is the wife of, of Ken Copeland, who had the airplanes and everything. And, and she, in a book, says, give $10 and receive $10,000. Give $1,000 and receive $100,000. In short, Mark 10.30 is a very good deal. And Mark 
10, 29, and 30 is where Jesus says, I, I tell you true that no one who's left homes and brothers and sisters and mother and father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. So she comes along and takes a scripture verse and says, if I give 10, I'm going to get back a thousand. If I give a thousand, I'm going to get back a hundred thousand. Takes the truth of scripture for virtue, gives it an air of authority. And we have the seeds of what we understand to be the prosperity gospel. Time Magazine even sees fit because this is so prevalent in our society. Time, Time Magazine has a cover that says, Does God want you to be rich? Nothing wrong with anyone who's rich, but is that, that's what God has for you. That is one of the reasons that Jesus died for you. One of the reasons Jesus came is so you can prosper materially. And that's what these teachers teach us. There's a scripture I want to talk about that, um, where Jesus talks about prosperity. And I want to tell you today that there is a biblical prosperity. And my challenge with you today is to separate the difference. And it's really hard to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm really treading in deep water today. And I'm, I'm walking on a razor-thin edge to try to tell you there's a difference between what we hear preached many times on, on Christian television and what is biblical But there is a prosperity that God has for the Christian. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus preaches about it. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall. That's, he prospered. He he weathered the storm. His house did not fall. The rain blew against the house. The wind blew against the house. The floodwaters rose, but his house did not fall. That's a biblical prosperity. And you could define house a lot of different ways. But he, he made it through the difficult times in life. He went through those same difficult times that other people go through. But he prospered through those. His house stood. It's a biblical prosperity. Not the type that we see taught on TV, but it's a biblical prosperity. The verse continues here, and, and, <clears throat> but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, the difference now is the man who heard the words, put them into practice, and the man who heard the words did not put them into practice. He's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The the rains come, the streams rose, the winds blow and beat against that house, and it fell. Now, notice, the same difficult times come for both people. The the person who hears God's word and puts it into practice is not immune from difficult times. The wind blew against that house. The, the, The streams rose and the rains came. The same wind that came against the person that heard this word and did not put it into practice. The same issues happen to both the Christian, the follower, and the one who does not follow. The hearer and the one who puts it into practice and the hearer and the one who does not put it into practice. The only difference, this one prospers. This one's house fell. And great was this crash. I'm trying to tell you today that there is, you have to distinguish but what you see on TV so many times between what is 
passed off as prosperity teaching and what Jesus calls prospering in the Christian life. Luke 6, 38, Jesus talks about prospering in, in Luke 6, 38. I mean, how can you say this any other way? This is the words of Jesus. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down. You know, the trash needs to be taken out, but you know, you want Sue to do it, so you just go, you know, you just... None of you guys ever, none of you guys are laughing. I know you did. You push down on that, you know. Give and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together so you can get all, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now, how else can you see that? But there is some prosperity for the person that is generous. And generous can be defined in a lot of different ways. But Jesus plainly says, give, and it will be given to you. Jesus also comes along in John chapter 10 and says, I have come that you would have life and you would have it to the full. You would have it abundantly. Amazing statement that he says, you people that are living out here, I've come that you would live. You people that are living out here, I've come that you would really live. And that you would have life to the full and you would have it to the abundance. How else can you describe that if that's not prospering in some way? And then Paul comes along in Galatians chapter 6. And Paul says, don't get weary. Don't get tired. Don't get weary and doing good. Don't get weary in living for the Lord. Don't get weary in hearing God's word and put it into practice. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And how else can you describe reaping a harvest instead of blessings and prosperity being able to come into your life? Now, obviously, it's how you define prosperity. But you cannot, I can just go through scripture after scripture after scripture on how God wants to bless you. And God wants his favor to be able to rest upon you. Can I tell you today that if you're a Christian, what's the Christian define? How did Jesus define the Christian? Hears the word and puts it into practice in, in life. That's how Jesus defined it. He hears the word and he puts it into practice. And if, if, if you are that person, not, not a person who's just, uh, who just attests in the waters of Christianity, who's sticking their toe in the water of Christianity just to see what it's about. No, it's, it's the person that, that goes all the way in to the waters of Christianity. It's, it's a person that, that goes in head over heels, dives into the waters of Christianity head over heels. That person, Jesus says, will be prosper, will prosper. Their house will stand. Hey, they'll go through difficult times. They'll go through the same mess that the rest of the world goes through. They'll go through difficult times, and God will bless them through that, and God will prosper them through that. My question to you today, Christian friend, on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday, are you thankful for your prosperity? Because if you're a Christian today, how's that, how's that defined? If I hear the word and I put it into practice, you're prospering today. A biblical understanding of that, a, 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 a scriptural understanding of a Christian type of prosperity, but you're prospering nonetheless. The Bible talks about it in many, many places. Proverbs 3 is one of the most quoted passages in all of Scripture. It's in Proverbs 3, 5 that we get the passage that some of you, maybe the first passage you all memorized, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
But Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4, that, that, that starts this way. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win good favor. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. How else do you define that? God's blessing. God's prosperity in your life. Then the verse that we've all memorized, we, if, at least if you were raised in Sunday school, you did. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And what's the payoff? There's prosperity there. And he will make your path straight. Oh, the winds will still blow. Uh, and, and the waters will rise and the streams will rise and, and the rains will come. But your paths will be made straight. In life. Proverbs 3 continues. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body. And nourishment to your bones. Friends. If we're going to deal honestly with this word. Now I'm not up here to try to preach to you that I know exactly what health to your body and nourishment to uh, to your bones means. But we cannot doubt that, that the Bible says for the person that honors God, there is a favor for them. There is a prosperity for them that we as Christians should be work, walking in. Last scripture I have up here. I, uh, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And your barns will be overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. I, I can't ever go out to Marilyn Deeney Thornton's. And some of you don't know Marilyn Deeney. But um, they live in a little, I guess I don't know how many bedrooms they have. It doesn't look like a house any bigger than about two bedrooms. A little white house out on Hussey Road. Big farmer out there. And every time I go out there, he says, I, just, I just can't believe how good God's been to us. I could sit and amaze you and, and got some things I know that you all don't of how generous those people are. And every time, he, every time he does something generous, he says, I just can't believe God is good enough to allow us to do something like this. I, I'll tell this because he's not sitting here to embarrass him. He was in the first service, but... You know, he sold all his farm implements, uh, I don't know, X amount of years ago when he kind of retired from full-time farming and gave three-quarters of a million dollars to Nazarene Missions. That's prosperity. <laughs> they live in a little two-bedroom house. They could afford to live in a lot better if you want. I mean, they just, I mean, didn't what forever whatever reason didn't see a need for anything more than that and everybody's make their own choices on that but man that's that's prosperity now, he doesn't have a 20 million dollar airplane doesn't do flyovers for us and, and, and live in a 6 million dollar house and he certainly wouldn't feel like God owed that to him but man Marilyn Deeney and for those of you who don't know them, they, they, if you would meet them, they just would seem like you wouldn't picture them as these type of people. 
most, I don't know, ordinary Joes that Zeno High ever had, you know? God's favored them. And why has he favored them? If you hear my words and you put them into practice, difficult times will come. <laughs> I, I got to tell this now. Don't y'all tell me Ross said this. But he says, man, some got rough on a farm sometimes. I couldn't believe he said this. He goes, got rough on a farm sometimes. He goes, sometimes we had to go to the bank and borrow money, just pay our tithes. I wouldn't suggest anybody do that, to be quite honest with you. If you hear my words and you put them into practice, difficult times will come, but your house will stand. The same people hear his words. They come to church just like this guy does. The same people hear his words. They do not put it into practice. The the same difficult time comes and the house falls. One is prospered and the other doesn't. And the only difference is these people followed. These people obeyed. These people were fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And the Bible, in so many places, I don't have time to go list all the scriptures. Talks, there is blessing. You define blessing a lot of different ways. But there is blessing for the one who follows closely. There's one more scripture, I think. Proverbs 3, and it's the first verse. I left the first verse for the last, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will, listen, keep my commands in your heart. And Why? For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and bring you prosperity. Again, it's the definition of that word prosperity. Dean and Jessica Harshman were sitting right here in the first service. And she's due uh, with Silas on February the 7th or something like that. And, and I looked at them and, and I remember a little over a year ago that the rains came. And the waters rose in their life, and they lost a baby at 20 weeks. But they didn't back up on God. They heard his word, continued to put it into practice. Difficult times came in their life, but their houses stood. Their houses stood. I've used the example of a lot of people, and it embarrasses me a lot of times, but it embarrasses every time I use it. Harold and Vita have lost two sons. The rains came. The waters rose. They're still sitting there. They're still sitting there. They prospered through that. Their house has stood through that. I'm looking at people in this room right now. There's a lady back here in the back in the second in the first service that she's gone through three types of cancer. Here's one over here that's gone through how many? 17 types of cancer or something. She's had cancer every time I turn around. She's got more cancer. She's prospered through the cancer. Her house has stood. 
her house has stood. First service, we had Don and Judy Alex over here celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, because that's nothing, because we had Bill and Betty Drake celebrating their 70th anniversary this weekend. So, how many people you know have been married 70 years? <laughs> they, they, were, they celebrated this weekend their 70th wedding anniversary. Let me tell you, if you can put up with any person for 70 years, God's prospered you, man. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> If, if, you're, if, if you're sitting here today with a loving spouse who puts up with you, you are prospering. You are prospering. I've got two sons that we prospered so much by adopting them. But the prosperity that's come into their life, knowing their birth parents, is unbelievable. And the only reason that prosperity happened for them is because we, as, as obedience to the will of God, started fostering. And all of a sudden, fostering led to adopting. And there's prosperity for them. Christian friend, how has God prospered you? On this post-Thanksgiving Sunday, I'm challenging you to think about your prosperity. You don't live in a $6 million mansion. I know that. But let me tell you, if you're a Christian, again, let's define that. I hear God's word and I put it into practice. There's nothing compromised in my life. I follow with all my heart. The blessing of God has been on your life and he prospered you. Not everybody prospers at a different level, in different ways. I mean, some of us are more educated than some and that prosperity may have led to a better position which means more money. And I mean, there's a lot of other factors that are into that. Some of us were raised in a family and we kind of had a little uh, head start. And I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that go into the amount of prospering that may happen. But friend, let me tell you, I sat at our house the other day, and I just, I just started thinking. I said, my dad, who's been dead now 16 years, I said, dad couldn't even imagine that his son lives in a house like we live in. And, and that's a direct result. It wasn't any Christianity in our family until mom and dad came along, and mom and dad got saved. And everybody else, we were poor farmers, grandfathers all the way back. They were just poor hand-to-mouth people. And then mom and dad got saved, and they started following Jesus. And life got a little better for them. You know, life, my mom and dad were always middle class, but their bills were paid. and I mean, life got a little better for them. And now they're boys. Life has got a little better for them. And hopefully for our boys, life will get a little better for them. God, God brings prosperity into families where the cycle of, of poverty can be broken in families. Not, not for ones that just come to church. I'm just sitting in the pew. But for the ones that take this thing serious and form their whole life around this thing. 
The promise of God is his blessing will be upon your life. His favor will be upon your life. Christian friend. Do I need to define Christian again? You hear it and you put it into practice. Christian friend, be thankful this Sunday. You're prospering. You're prospering. Oh, I know the rains are coming. Don't, you don't have to tell me that. I know the winds are blowing. But you know what? Your house will stand. I think it's Psalm 37, 25. That says something like, I've seen people begging for bread, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Oh, the, the, the tough times may come, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That's prosperity, friends. Good things. Good things come to people who follow him closely. Well, Mark, what about... What about all those little Africans over there? With the little bloated bellies that we see. I don't know the answer to all that, but I do know that I just came back from Africa. And I do know that I met a lot of Christians that testified to me after months and years and decades of following Jesus, they no longer are in the same predicament that they once were. Now, I know things get weird and, you, and you're, 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 you're born out in the village, and, but I even talked to people out in the villages who talked about how they were prospering because God had given them a bicycle. How they were prospering because missionaries had brought a well to them. Now, prospering is relative, friend. It's relative. How they were prospering because a missionary doctor came and was able to give me some medicine that took care of what was going to kill them, but the only thing they needed was a little antibiotic. Friends, everywhere Christians have gone, Education has followed. Hospitals have followed. Orphanages have followed. Social programs have followed. I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking a thin line here between heresy and biblical truth. I am. I know I am. I'm trusting you with it. I'm trusting you not to go on Facebook today and said our preacher preached biblical prosperity everybody will take it wrong. But there's a tight rope to walk here. But it needs to be walked. God wants to bless you. And the blessing seems to be reserved in Jesus' words for people who hear his words and put it into action. So my challenge is for you to be thankful, but my challenge is for also for there's probably 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 people who are absolutely looking at me like I have no clue what I'm talking about.
You're looking at me like a mule looks at an old gate. You just like have no clue. And you're not, you're not experiencing that prosperity. My challenge to you, are you really in the water of Christianity? Or are you just kind of dangling your toe there? Have you, have you taken the leap to jump into the deep waters of Christianity? Have you dived in? Or are you just you getting a little bit of church and got a little bit of rubbing off? But you have not fully committed yourself to Jesus Christ, which means, <laughs> for the 18th time, you hear his word and you put it into practice in your life. I was talking this weekend to um, a wife, and she was talking about her and her husband and their marriage. She says, I know God has something for us if we would just sell out. And I looked at her like any pastor would, and I said, I tried to say it as nice as I could, but I said, what's keeping you from selling out? And she couldn't answer. I'm here today to say that while it's nothing about $20 million planes and given, given 10, you'll give back 1,000, I'm saying God has blessing for you. God has favor for you. And if you're not walking in it, why not? I think if you would let me take a very personal look into your life, I would find compromise. I would find areas where you're hearing God's word, but not putting it into practice. Some of you, some of you have dug a hole for yourself pretty deep because of poor poor choices that you've made in your life. And that will not turn around overnight. It takes a while to turn that ship. And it may not get fully turned in your lifetime, but it'll keep turning for your kids. It'll keep turning for your grandkids. The hole that some of us dug for ourselves where our poor choices is pretty deep but we can crawl out and we can turn that ship and we can start sowing good things and we'll start reaping good things and we may not see the full extent of the reaping but our children may and our grandchildren may I don't like to read to you but Roger Starr is a professor was a professor at, at at City College of New York. It's important for you to know, I'm not making any political statement, I just think it's important for you to know to this story that he is a liberal Jewish Democrat. That's important. He's a liberal Jewish Democrat. And he started studying 18th century um, England. And he started researching about 18th century England. And if if you look into 18th century England, you'll find that the society was collapsing. 
They, their, uh, addiction was, was, was rampant in 18th century England. Gin alcohol it was, was, was rampant over there. Domestic violence, domestic abuse was horrible. Crime, pollution, poverty. If you just looked into a secular historian and looked back into 18th century England, late 1700s, it was a nation close to collapse. And this is what a liberal, Jewish, secular person, Jewish Democrat said he discovered that there was a movement started in late 17th century England called Methodism. Now, I don't even know any Methodist, this professor said. I don't know anything about them, but this Wesley started a movement, and John Wesley was the starter of the Methodist movement, which eventually, 100 years later, became the Church of the Nazarene. But this Wesley started a movement that literally saved England. This is a secular person, a historian, not making any kind of spiritual statement. It was a movement that had profound social, economic, and political consequences and transformed and indeed saved that nation. Maybe what we need to do is to study those Methodists to find out how they did it and to duplicate what they did back in the 18th century. Now, that's a secular historian, a liberal Jewish Democrat. Now, some of you will know the name George Will. You may have seen him on some political commentaries. Now, he would be the opposite of Roger Starr. He, he is a conservative Roman Catholic Republic. Okay? George Will writes in a column for Washington Post. I never thought I'd agree with anything Roger Starr has ever written. But you know this liberal has actually got a point. It is that in 18, it is that in 18th century you had a German and a French revolution and other revolutions, but you never had an English revolution. But you really, really did, you see. It was called the Methodist Revolution. Because these Methodists turned their world upside down. I know this is going to sound strange for me, saying that we need some more Methodists to save the world. And I hate to end the column this way, but does anybody out there have a better idea? And then Fred Barnes. Some of you that watch some shows will know who Fred Barnes. He's an evangelical. And he would not be a conservative. He would not be a liberal. He would be a moderate. And Fred Barnes writes... Can you believe this? George Will and Roger Starr agreeing on something. I can't believe it. But the more you think about it, they are exactly right. But they forgot one thing about the Methodist movement, that at its heart, it was a spiritual awakening. Barnes continues, yes, it had tremendous economic, social, and political consequences, but it began as a spiritual revival, a spiritual awakening. And unless we get in this nation a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival that will create these kinds of economic and political implications, in our day it won't work. We've got to have a new generation of Methodists who will do for us in this day what they did in the 18th century. See, when you get awakened spiritually, things change for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm fearful, and I'm not going to say, okay, you got a business over here, and when you waken spiritually, all of a sudden your business is going to take off. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say that if you apply Christian principles to your business, and over time, over time, not in 100% of circumstances, because a lot of things can happen, but over time, the chances are God will bless you. You And maybe it won't be in your business, but God will prosper you if you center your building and your business 
around spiritual principles. I wish I could tell you every single Christian businessman has been successful, but you know what? And Greg McAfee will tell you this. A lot of Christian businessmen didn't make good decisions. But people who follow the will of God, there's a prosperity there for them. It's a pretty thin line I'm walking in. But it's a biblical line. It's a biblical line. Thank God, Christian friend, that you're prospering today. If you're not prospering, ask yourself why. Do you need humble, be humble enough for someone to mentor you and tell you you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong? Are you humble enough? For that to happen. What is it you're doing wrong if you don't sense the favor of God upon your life? And that's defined in a lot of different ways. Our servers are coming to the table. Can I tell you this morning that the cross of Christ can totally revolutionize your life? Hey, it's not just about going to heaven. (laughs) Oh, it is about going to heaven, but it's not about going to heaven. You know what I mean? The cross of Christ can totally change your life. One One of the letters I received on the Dear Younger Me thing from last week said, if I hadn't found Jesus, you know, I feel like I would probably be either dead or drunk one or two when my dad found out he had cancer he sat with me with tears in his eyes and said son everything I have good in this life says I owe to Jesus that's the extent that he can totally turn your life inside out flip it upside down don't Settle for less than that from your Christianity. And as you come to the table this morning, you're thanking him for your prosperity, but you're also praying for deeper and more full commitment so his blessings can be poured out upon you. Father, This is a really tight rope I walked this morning. I know that I have. Easily to be misunderstood, Father. So I pray that you would favor me by helping people not misunderstand it. But God, this just comes from someone that you have changed his life around totally. And I so want that for all of our people here. So, Father, I pray you take this message and I believe the promise that your word says it will not come back void but accomplish the purpose. Father, I believe there are two, there are five, there are ten people that are going to grab hold of this today and they're going to run with it and their life can be totally changed. 
Father, as one of the people in this room that are prospering, I just acknowledge you in that blessing. I thank you that I'm living a prospered life. Thank you for that. Bless us now as we come to the table. In Jesus' name.